Colton Stombaugh again with the Inspire Podcast. We're providing you technical products, management, innovation, sales, and marketing insights. So today we're really excited to jump into the first deep dive into the world of advanced mobility with one of the most interesting entrepreneurs in one of the most interesting industries going right now, Nick Gruel. Nick is the CEO and president of startup ePropelled, which originated in May 2018 and designs and manufactures electric propulsion motor systems and drives with a focus on electric vehicles, unmanned aerial vehicles, commonly known as UAVs, and water pumps as well. Nick is an experienced technology entrepreneur and investor in over 40 high-tech companies, including a major exit via acquisition by a Fortune 100 tech leader. Nick, hopefully that introduction did you some justice. How are you doing today? Actually, you're too kind, but uh, we, will, we will take it from there. I'm oh. fine. Thank you. Perfect. Now, you know, again, thanks for joining us today. And we really like to start these by getting a little context. You know, what maybe aptly the, the name of our podcast is Inspire. What inspired you, you know, and maybe even from a, a young age to jump into the world of engineering and innovation? that started you kind of on this journey in, in adventure. Go, go back a little bit. Great, thank you. Well, Colton, I grew up in England and my parents were both teachers. When you're very early age, you, all you do is actually think about studying because that's what your parents actually tell you. And then I had an uncle. My uncle actually worked for a company called Hawker Sidley. And he would come and whenever I meet him, he would actually talk about all the kinds of things he was doing. So one of the things that he was doing was working on, as a stress engineer, on Hoka Sidley jump jet. You know, it's now pretty old because that was back in early 60s that he was working on that stuff. And then he went from there to actually work on the Concorde. And he would tell me things such as the fuselage on the Concorde actually expands by, uh, by a foot when it's going supersonic. And also, I kind of developed... Uh, my interest into electronics and then later on into software. So, you know, I can, I guess you can say I'm a real geek because that's, that's how early back I go. Okay. But that's, um, you know, I think there's something really interesting there, right? So you've got this, this kind of academic inspiration, but then also this, this really practical, and to somebody out there in the world making these things happen, maybe acting a little bit like a mentor. So it actually makes a lot of sense, you know, when you think about it, you know, so from all that, obviously, ePropelled was, was eventually born. I'm sure there was a lot of exposition, you know, in between those early teen years and, and where we are today. Right. Uh, Absolutely. What, you know, what, what about, you know, like electric mobility, really drew you in and maybe what was the the big inspiration behind e-propelled in general i mean so you look at the the electrification space you've got sustainability you know obviously i'm sure there's some type of business opportunity as is with any entrepreneurial venture you know and really just changing the way the world moves i mean there's so much there what what drew you to this space specifically okay well I have to say that I'm probably one of the luckiest people on the planet because I got to do my entire life what I really always wanted to do. And it was really about bringing new products. And then eventually it was about bringing new companies to be. 
I actually got into engineering, obviously, went to London University, and then after that did a few jobs in UK and then came over because I was brought over by a company to Massachusetts. And it was going to be for a short period of time. And then my boss actually moved and said, we're going to be doing this thing called a workstation. I said, what the hell is a workstation? You know, <laughs> so anyway, I learned about workstation, but that was before IBM PC actually came out. Okay, so this is going back a little bit. And then after the workstation was done, they said to me, Nick, we want you to actually connect these output devices to the workstations. And at that time, people were building or starting to build networks. And that was, that was around 1982. There were only 30,000 computers on the internet. And so I got to actually go out to all kinds of companies and learn about what we should do in the networking and the internet space. And then after that, I decided that it was time to actually learn a little bit about business, went to a startup, and we were the first to put an IBM mainframe on the, on the internet. That was in Lowell, Mass. And then after that, went to my next company, which we took public actually in 1989. And I was part of the management team there. And we were the first to invent an internet router. And a lot of the protocols that the internet works on, that was really the start of it, 1985 to 87 timeframe. You know, and then after that, start, I started got, you know, thinking about building companies. The next one was actually tunneling of internet traffic, you know, a company called Crosscom. And the interesting thing there was that I got together with this fella and we actually got this thing off the ground, a company called Crosscom and had engineers, we had 125 engineers in Poland when Poland opened up in 1992. And then after that, I went and started my next company once that was gone public and we did a secondary offering. And then I said, okay, it's time to go and start the next one, which was Neshoba Networks. And we only just started going. And 36 months later, Cisco Systems came along and said, Nick, we want to you know, buy your company and merge it. And I said, well, we just got the product, but you know, if you like, this is what it will take. And three weeks later, the deal was done. And then after that, I worked for Cisco. So I've had the opportunity of working for big corporations as well as startups. And then later on after that, I went out and started investing in companies. So the, the, the thing that you used was 40 companies. I would say I haven't worked for 40 companies, but I have invested in over 40 companies. That's in the last 20 years, okay? So now coming to ePropelled, one of my other things is that I love racing. I also am a pilot and uh, so I fly, fly planes, you know, went out and got a um, captain's license to actually run a boat out there, you know, uh, between Florida and New England. So anyway, anything new I have a go at. So May of 2018, I was looking at buying an electric car from Tesla. And I started looking at their motors and it, it seemed to me that the motor was pretty old technology, especially in the old Model S. So I looked at the history of Tesla and how they actually started by actually going to Lotus. And at that point I said, you know what? I think I, we can actually build a better motor if I actually put together. And there is at least one more company in me so that was at That's the awesome. age of 67, actually. So I basically called up the lawyers and said, we need to incorporate. 
So they said, what do you, what do you want to call it? I said, electric propulsion. They said, you can't call it that. So <laughs> an hour later, I went back and said, how about e-propelled? They said, yeah, that will work. So, you know, and then after that, I started looking at how we're going to put the team together, as well as who's got the best patents in the business. And I found out that one of the best patents, set, set of patents was our CTO. He had a company called Electronica in, um, in Cardiff, and he had some brilliant patents. So I went over there to see him and said, look, I want to I license your patents worldwide because I'm going to be doing the sea propelled thing. He said, yeah, sure. You know, I'm not doing cars. You can, you can have it. We can work out a deal. And then after talking to him for a little bit, I said, you know what? I think it'd be a, it'd be a good idea to merge your company into e-propelled. He said, well, in that case, go and talk to our investors. And I said, who are the investors? So I went and uh, talked to the investors. We worked out a deal. Then the lawyers got involved. And by end of September, it was a merged company. So you can say we actually started this company in a very different way. And the idea was to actually, you know, build something that will look like Intel inside. So this is like e-propelled inside every vehicle. So that's how it was actually born. Uh, and then we actually, it's been now roughly about 27 months. We're up and going 60 people in three different markets. And we have offices. We have four offices in three continents. So that's a very different kind of startup. We still need a lot of luck. Because <laughs> every startup does. Yeah, so it sounds like you're doing your best to make your own though. You know, and I love kind of spotting patterns in like some of these stories. So being a, a player through, I guess, the, the connectivity of the planet, right, through your experiences, you know, in the networking space, it really, I mean, when, when you look at the, the framework of like large transformative technologies, the internet was, was a big one, I, I think a lot of people would say. Yeah, I think when we were doing the internet, Colton, we never thought that the world will end up this way. We knew it was pretty significant, but we never thought there will be, you know, people that are gonna come along, even though there was there, there were small indications, but we never thought there'd be Facebook, Google, all these major companies like Amazon. It, it really did change pretty much everything. And I was very lucky to be involved in that. And I'm even luckier to be involved in the next revolution. Well, and that's that, that's the interesting thing. I mean, you, you think it's just luck that you happen to to spend a portion of your professional career in these big transformative ideas? Or is that have you been drawn to those? Or did you just like fast cars and thought, hey, let's let's go for it? Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I think I think it's a little bit of all those ingredients, but the major thing is that. I just, you know, it isn't quite honestly, it's not money is a good score, but this is about actually making something really happen, you know, making a difference. And I think right now, if I look at since, you know, we've been doing ePropel, you learn more and more about, you know, how you can actually make the planet greener. You know, one of the, one of the things is that if you look at industrial motors, 70% of the world's energy from every source, nuclear coal, you know, gas, you know, solar goes into spinning motors and they're only 70% efficient. So can you imagine if you can actually make those motors 90 to 95, 98, you know, percent efficient, you know, you could actually shut down a whole bunch of power stations in the world and not know the difference. 
to me that's, that's really special and also you know and also the transport aspect of it is very special being able to do things differently the world is now talking about uh, electrification of the air transport business that's really significant we have some really fantastic ideas you know where we think that we can make a difference i think i think at the end looking at all the all the industries that develop you know you can go back to steam and car and uh, you know computer or internet business these these industries always have a pattern and i think there will be a same pattern same exact pattern in what we are about to see no absolutely and and you know you bring up like the the big technical challenge here, right increasing the efficiency of the motor right right and mapping that you know, the, the incredible power that if you can do that through electrification and a great analogy, need Indeed. for large power plant can, can be reduced, you know, so before we go too, too deep, like, let, let's use that as an opportunity to talk a little bit about your technology, right? How is ePropelled approaching that problem through what you're bringing to market? The way I normally uh, explain it in a layman's term, you know, Dr. Shirazi, our friend Nabil, the CTO, his patents, basically what, uh, what they did to an electric machine is the same as in the past, you know, when you went from carburetor to fuel injection, it's exactly the same type of thing. Okay, so what you wanna do in any machine, you wanna convert, you know, one energy into another energy. If you look at the gas engines, you're converting, you know, the energy from gasoline you know, to motion. And if you look at the efficiency, the best engine in the world is only 35% efficient. But, you know, when they were carbureted engines, they were 15% efficient. And then came along, you know, fuel injection. So now what you were doing was you were actually changing the ratio of air to gas at different points of the rev cycle of the engine. So if the rev is, you know, if the, if the engine is doing 1000 RPM, you have certain setting. And then you, you go along, you know, and increase the revs to 2000 RPM, you actually change the mixture. What Nabil's patents do for an electrical machine is exactly the same. If you look at any electrical machine, you start off with a torque very high, and then it comes down, you know, at, at very high RPM. If you put your foot down, for instance, in a Tesla, if you're doing let's say 90 miles an hour, okay? Uh, you put your foot down, not a lot happens. But if you put your foot down when you're starting off, you can spin the wheels because you got so much torque. And if you look at what we're doing is we're actually taking that high torque and then keeping it high at the higher RPMs. Okay, so how are we doing it? We are actually looking at the RPM and we are adjusting the magnetic field you know, in the machine, you know, if you imagine the magnets actually spinning around the coils and the faster they spin, the less push they get because they haven't had a chance to, because there's either a too much field or too little field. And if you can actually take a look at the RPM, you can adjust the amount of magnetic field that you need. This is the key part of the efficiency curve that, you know, and it has a major effect on not just the range, but also how much current you actually draw from the battery and how big the battery has to be. Uh, most of the standard motors with high torque starting and then torque comes down, they need huge size batteries 
because the current draw is massive. And as you draw peak currents from batteries, what happens? It actually it degrades the battery. So there's a study out now, which actually Tesla actually put out, which actually said Model S batteries only degraded by 20% by after three years. In my book, that's a bit too much. You know, other people might be happy with it, but we are not. We don't want it that kind of degradation in the battery performance. And so we're not, we don't make batteries. But on the other hand, our motors are really kind to the batteries and still put out massive amount of torque with real efficiency. So, you know, thinking about and, and understanding that magnet is really the core here, you know, as opposed to maybe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm far from an expert, but, you know, major difference than maybe some of those early Teslas that you described that I think we're using induction, you know, technology. Right? Yeah. Um, so we're getting a lot of efficiency, you know, which obviously is a huge technical benefit. But then you start to mention, you know, the, the battery side of things. Am I right in assuming that, you know, through this technology that you're refining, you know, I know one of the big pain points, especially when you're thinking wheels on the ground, though, we do want to talk about things in the air in a minute, because I think that's something that you guys have a really unique perspective on is, is this a, you know, the idea of adopting more magnification and using your, your, your patents here, are you able to potentially increase the life of a charge of a battery, get more mileage out of an electric vehicle? You know, Colton, we look at the whole issue from in a in a holistic fashion. Okay, it is an energy equation. Okay, the, what the world is trying to do right now is everybody's building batteries, they're building motors, they're building you know inverters and all that kind of stuff. But you know, you got to look at the whole thing. It's it's the issue is how do you put energy in into the vehicle, and how quickly can you put that energy in? If it takes your whole night to actually charge a battery, that's not really very practical. But if you can plug it in and it goes instantly in five minutes or, you know, uh, certainly in minutes, you know, 30 minutes maybe, and you can actually put that energy in, that's problem number one. Problem number two is how much energy do you carry? This is purely an energy, you know, issue. How much energy do you carry? So how much range do you get? what kind of performance you can get, et cetera. The third part of the equation is how do you use that energy in the most efficient way to give you really good performance, but actually preserve everything else around it. And that's where we come in, you know? So I think, I think it's a, uh, it, it is a complete solution that must be taken into account rather than, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making a better motor I'm making a better battery. You know, it doesn't matter who it is, but we really need to come up with, you know, this stuff. The last piece is that I think everybody right now is doing their own thing. And that's exactly what happened. You know, when the car industry started, you had, you, you had accelerator over here, you know, you had, you know, clutch over there and you had brakes somewhere on, the, on one of the feet, maybe it's left foot, maybe it's right foot. There were no standards. And similarly, are in, and, and if you looked at the same thing in the internet industry, you know, we had to have IETF in, that actually created standards for protocols. And then they actually, people actually built their products and there were people like MIT and UNH in the US that actually took these products and, 
and measure them against the standards and say, yeah, you're certified. We tested it, it's great. That's, that's not happening right now because everybody's making different things. You know, there are different connectors, there's different protocols, there's different inverters, there's different motors, there's different batteries. And hopefully one day, I like the idea, having learned from the internet industry, that I like the idea of talking to my companion companies out there to actually say, let's, let's set standards. Let's set standards for connectors and how you actually make batteries and how you make motors, et cetera. But I think that will happen as the industry start to mature. So maybe I'm a bit too impatient, but I think that's where we're going. Well, and I mean, who, who better to talk to about that than somebody who was, uh, you know, part of the last transformative technology wave, right? And I think that that's a, that's a really interesting thing, right? Because you're approaching that where, you know, we talked about the technology, looking at that from, you know, increasing motors efficiency. And what you just described is the other thing that we need to solve as we're going down electrification, you know, is, is a, let's call it human race. It's also efficiency from a business perspective. How can that's we right. get- market and at scale to, to do these, you know, more, you know, efficiently. And the fact that your company is thinking about both of those, I think is, is really interesting. You know, an, another thing we've talked a lot about, you know, and I, and I think maybe this is because it's the maybe common place where people go is, is like the wheels on the ground. How do you get a longer charge? Because that's very often the pain point when you talk about electrification with people. But you had already mentioned thinking a little bit about aerial trains. Um, and I know that that's something that, that he propelled, you know, holds near and dear. Maybe it's because you're a pilot. I don't know, you know, but, but maybe there's another reason, you know, why aerial and, and UAV is part of the equation too. What's the, the point of view and philosophy there? Again, looking at the whole transport issue. Okay. I think there is a model that we have in mind for 2030 and 2040. And I don't know whether I'll be around, but at least we have that model right now. And I like to think that it's going to come true. And a lot of people do talk about it. They talk about TAS, you know, transport as a service or mass. You know, these things are going to happen. I think the way people buy cars or vehicles is going to happen. We look at the car. When you actually buy a car today, you only use car 4% of the time. That's really pretty amazing because the rest of the time it actually sits in your garage or it sits in a parking lot or sits in the street. You're not actually using it. But with this new model, if you look at the efficiency, if you build a car, you want to use it, you know, 96%, not 4%. And that presents interesting problems because what we think is that for the last mile, you know, we always used to talk last mile in the internet world. You know, last mile in this case basically means how do you get picked up from your house? And if you're going across town, maybe all you do is you need a vehicle, whether it's a two-wheeler, three-wheeler, four-wheeler, depending on where you happen to be in the world. It's going to take you across town. It's going to take you shopping. And when you get out, that thing will actually self-drive and some, it'll pick up the next person that owns a piece of that car. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. But if you actually go to a different city or a town, then the car will drive you to a station where there happens to be flying cars. And flying cars are going to be autonomous as well, just like cars are. They know you're arriving, you know, so you actually come out of your car and there's a, car, a flying car waiting for you. You jump in the flying car. Next minute is, you know, let's say 25, 30 minutes later, you're in a different city and there's another car waiting for you. This is the model that we think 
if you again looking at it holistically, I think th these things will actually interconnect at a certain point. And that's why we think it's really important. The second part of it is that if you can actually build really light motors for aircraft and do it in such a way that it's going to be totally reliable for, you know, and, and pass all the, you know, FAA, CAA, wherever you happen to be there, their standards, it's going to be good for the car. Because if you talk to the car guys, they basically say, you know, if I can actually reduce five pounds weight in my car, you know, I'll give my grandmother away, you know, so, so literally. So, you know, the technology is the same because if you have a heavier car, because you've got a heavier motor, you know, or you've got a heavier battery, you're going to spend more energy moving it, whether it's by, you know, propeller or it's by wheel. So we think that it's, it's the same thing, quite honestly. And we're probably the only company in the world that is thinking about propulsion in that fashion. Yeah. It's almost like Mercedes-Benz used to have that three-pointed star by air, by sea, by land. And, you know, I like to think of um, ourselves as one of those type of companies, yeah. although, although sea will come eventually. Right. Well, and you think, well, and I know that's a huge part from a, from an emissions perspective as well, but, you know, and maybe this is more for my own personal edification, but I'm kind of playing proxy for the audience when I ask this question. When we're talking about that aerial and, and reducing the weight, I have to imagine that the physics of that equation to get lift and, you know, actually create new possibilities for adding a lot more aerial transportation, whether it be automated or otherwise, that weight reduction and being able to get that profiled is hugely important. Like I said, that's good. That might get you a little bit faster on the track, which is very, very important to a, a very select group of people. But when we're talking about the, the impact of reducing the weight on a, you know, propulsion for an aerial vehicle, that is a huge, huge benefit to that, that equation, right? Absolutely. We look at power per pound or power per ounce, if you like, you know, that, that in order to actually win that equation, you have to do a lot of material science, you know, Kavalov, uh, you know, um, all kinds of light materials, uh, carbon fiber, you know, these are the kinds of things that you have to be able to do. And if you look at our motors, the power to weight ratio of our motors is one of the highest in the world of any company. And I say that with a little bit of proud pride because not a lot of people actually measure that. So, you know, we measure that. And again, on, you know, making a motor light on, in a car Certainly, it, it makes you go faster. But if you actually look at, you know, the benefits of actually having a smaller battery, that's really something special. Absolutely. You know, to kind of go through, because you said, you know, the, like the Mercedes analogy there, you're, you're working on the C, but I know, are there other applications? Because we've got a lot of industrial manufacturers in our audience. You know, I know one of the things that you mentioned out there in some of your materials is water pumps. Are there other industrial yeah. applications maybe that you guys are looking at that, you know, maybe your, you know, average person in this space wouldn't, wouldn't think because they're always thinking vehicle and mobility. Where are the industrial applications of, of some of your technology? So the technology is pretty much the same, the basic technology, because I look at the motor technology or electric machine technology as a platform. Uh, in the old days, internet, the router was a platform technology 
It didn't care whether it was passing medical data or it was passing you know, financial data or engineering data. It, it was just data for it. And what are we doing? We're converting electrical energy into motion. And, and there are numerous vertical applications. There's, there's, um, air, you know, there's air conditioning, huge market. You know, water pumps and water circulation, huge market. Other industrial applications where you're actually mixing chemicals and stuff, another huge application. Uh, manufacturing where you actually might be running conveyor belts and stuff, you know, another huge application. This is this is pretty much endless. And if you look at the world's motors, they are they're inefficient right now. It isn't just that we're actually making energy. We're concentrating on energy being made. Let's do it efficient way through solar. But not a lot of people are looking at how are we consuming that energy. So I think I think it's literally endless applications. But I think the technology platform is the same. No, that's it's it's great to know, and I think that. So, what does the model look like there? If you don't mind mentioning, are you you know you mentioned like the the Intel inside analogy? I mean, are you working deeply in partnership with? You know, maybe this even extends to some of the mobility. Are you working deeply in partnership? Like, hey, here's a problem we're trying to solve. You propelled. We think your technology is a good fit. Then you collaborate closely. Actually, what we've been doing is in the last twenty seven months is building our platforms, quite honestly, okay? And there are a lot of, now we've launched a major release in, for the UAV or air mobility products. And we're talking to drone manufacturers of all kinds. And we are also talking to companies that make flying cars. You know, I've been in, in flying cars and there, you know, and there are lots of different types of technologies being developed, you know, purely electrical or a combination of high you know, hydrogen cells and electrical, et cetera. So there's a lot of new stuff going on. It's really, you know, for, if you're thinking about building companies, this is a great time. It's really a great time because there's so many problems that are being solved. It's just amazing. We are talking to a lot of people. We're talking to in the industrial space. We have companies that we're talking to in North America, as well as Japan and working with them. We are also talking, you know, people in the two-wheeler space, in India, two-wheeler, as well as three-wheeler space. So, so we have customers waiting for those products, actually, and, and they're going to get it pretty soon. So it's pretty exciting that we're actually working on so many fronts. Now, it's really a big issue because I always, in my younger days, used to think, you got to really focus. And now we're looking at all these huge problems everywhere. And where is the focus? The focus is the platform. And I think if we can develop the platforms in the most efficient way, you know, vertical industries will want this thing. Absolutely. No, that, yeah. uh, that's huge. I mean, one of, one of the things we like to do, you know, because I know we're, we're coming close to time here, is really look for like that big meaty insight, you know, and, and as an entrepreneur and investor and inventor, you know, and, and really somebody who seems to be inspired by innovation. Imagine you'd have some, but I think that, that that idea on focus, like being able to focus on the right thing and defining it, even if it is broad, right? I think yes. that's a great insight. But what else in, in your your experience thus far do you think, you know, is, is one of your key takeaways that maybe you give people when they ask you, hey, you know, Nick, 
give me some advice. You know, we, we love to give that to, to our audience. Well, I think you got to love what you do. And it isn't about money. Okay. If you love money, forget it. Go, go to Wall Street. Okay. But if it's about making something real happen and inventing something like as though you're still, you know, a five-year-old kid, then this is a great place to be. I think the other thing that I would say to people is that, you know, don't be scared to make mistakes. Okay, make them, learn from them quickly and move on. You know, do things, keep doing things. Sometimes what happens is people become really scared about, boy, if I make a mistake, I'm going to be, you know, out of it. No, you're not. You know, you just got to have the tenacity to actually keep at it. And this is the ingredient of a of an entrepreneur, in my opinion. I wouldn't say this is necessarily an investor's view. I can give you investor's view because majority of the investment in this company is mine. You know, uh, so, so, so I have to have an investor's view as well. But, you know, I can't imagine any investor who wouldn't want to be in this type of a market. You know, and he, they've got to bet, bet on a horse. And uh, I would actually say to any investor, as I'm doing myself, is look at the team, you know, look at the track record, look at the stuff that's being done and look at the way it's performing right now. And why would it stop performing in the next few years? And yeah. that's, that's my view on it. Well, I think that that point of integration there, right, between like the investor and, and the, the entrepreneur and inventor thing is, is if you're looking at the team and you're focusing on a team that loves what they do, it aligns the whole way through. That's yeah. right. And I think the interesting thing there, you know, is, is it's like an insight. It's kind of funny, like knowing, you know, they, they, you've got a passion for race cars and hearing even about the technology, you're almost approaching that like somebody trying to optimize, you know, to, to get that little bit more out of that quarter mile or, or right. something. Like there's just so much alignment there. Like it's, it's kind of funny and it, what that indicates is like. I, I have some key people that I get my inspiration from. Okay. It's really interesting. I got my inspiration from some of the people that were much smarter than me, like Newton. I look at companies and I say, look, if you're going to make a difference and if you're going to move something forward, you've got to have momentum. What's momentum from our kid days? It's mass times acceleration. As a startup, you don't have any mass. So the only thing you can do is accelerate your ideas. And I, I look at you know Darwin, I, I, I look at it and say, you know, what is the DNA of this company compared with other companies? You know, so these are the kinds of uh, things that uh, care about in the background. This is what I think about, you know, in my sleep kind of right. thing. Yeah, don't forget the fundamental laws you learned early on, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. Now, that's, that's an incredible insight. So, you know, as we're signing off here in full transparency, part of this is to, to tee up for a shameless plug for ePropelled before we close out. You know, as we're as you were talking through, I'll say, you know, I look forward to getting into a flying vehicle that I called through Uber that has powered by ePropelled on the side of it. What is your vision for for ePropelled? You know, uh, over the and you've hit on this a little bit, but what are some of the things you want to be able to say, you know, 15, 20, 30 years from now? that you look back on and, you know, can say, yeah, we did it. As I said, Intel Inside, because Andy Grove and some of those guys were my heroes as well. Okay. They, they, were, they were just awesome the way they built their companies. So you got to take some inspiration from that. But if I can actually say that 
majority of the vehicles in the world are run on e-propelled, you know, propulsion. How else can you uh, not feel good about that? You know, so I think that that will be an awesome thing to feel good about. That you know, our technology is actually whether we deploy it or other companies deploy it, but it's actually going to be out there. That's going to be really something. Absolutely. No, and that, all right. So the last thing here, Nick, you know, if, if you're a member of the audience and you've been inspired by this and you think maybe their company could, could take advantage of some of your technology, how should they get that process started? Where should they go? What should they do? Boy, that's a, that's a tough one, actually, Colton. <laughs> I think the first thing that I would recommend to them is find your passion. And you can always find passion at any time. And your passion might change. But, you know, uh, once you actually find it, you got to stick with it. You know, it's simple as that. you got to stick with it and really make it happen. Anything else is not acceptable. You know, as that's the way they ought to feel. Find the passion. I, 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 would, I would say that's, that's the key. You know, if you, if you look at uh, all the guys that have built successful companies out there, one of the things was they were passionate about what they were doing. Right. Nothing else mattered. The simple truths are the, the often the truest. And, it, you know, yeah, it, it, it's funny, like hearing just a little bit about your story worked for you. So it's got to work for somebody. Right? Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Colton. Uh, yeah. So, so thanks, Nick. This was great to the audience. Epropelled.com. That's correct. Right. That's correct. Yes. Epropelled.com. And, uh, you know, hopefully if you're working on a vehicle, you know, come and talk to our engineers. You might actually find it pretty damn interesting. I'd say so. Now, I, I know I have, I know our audience has, and uh, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to seeing what's next for the company, Nick. And uh, like I said, I look forward to hopping in that, uh, that aerial Uber with powered by you propelled on the side of it soon. So, you, you know, I, I will be right with you. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Have a great one, everybody. Uh, Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon.